Well, there's this story of uh, a guy who was shipwrecked and uh, he ended up stranded on this deserted island uh, for, uh, for many years. He was a castaway and, and stranded there alone. And uh, one day he wakes up and he looks out and he's shocked and surprised and overwhelmed, overjoyed to see a ship passing by in front of the island on which he's marooned. And the ship stops, it clearly sees him and his situation and it sends uh, a little boat to come to rescue him on the island. And as he runs to the boat with arms open wide, he stops suddenly as the, the first mate who's standing there holds out his arm and says, just a second. And then he hands him a package. And the, the castaway looks at the package and it's a bundle of newspapers. And as he looks at these newspapers, he's, he doesn't know quite what to do. And the first mate says, uh, just a second, the, the captain said that you should read through these and then let us know if you still want to be rescued. <laughs> I have a feeling that the headlines from the last year would cause any of us, if we were shipwrecked, maybe to be tempted to stay exactly where we were marooned on that island. After all, it, it feels like maybe we're already a bit on a deserted island, isolated and disconnected and bubbled. Maybe you'd choose a deserted island over this. I don't know. Maybe that's your situation. Our sermon series uh, that we've been working through is uh, we're calling Mythbusters, but it's really that we're uh, debunking Christian myths. And we started our first week was the quick myth. That idea that once you become a Christian, everything moves very quickly for you. Things come together and everything just keeps moving at quite a, a good pace. And uh, the second one last week we tackled was the easy myth. The idea that once you become a Christian, things just get easy. Easier and easier maybe. And uh, these things maybe we were told or uh, we believed or we repeated or things we heard and and then maybe at some point in our Christian journey when things failed to materialize or continue to materialize the way that we heard, uh, we begin to struggle and we find that those things become our disappointments or our wrestles. Our myth that we're tackling this morning is, myth number three is Christians can grow on their own. Christians can grow on their own. This is our passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. If you have a Bible, which you could have since you're sitting in your house, <laughs> most of you, I think, uh, you could flip there and read along with me in your own Bible if you'd like, but we'll put it on the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And my big idea this morning is that we grow 
and mature in Jesus and in community. We grow and mature in Jesus and in community. Paul says we're equipped and built up. Uh, I stopped going to the swimming pool uh, almost three years ago. Actually, that's, it was March, uh, th- almost three years ago. And, and uh, that's when it closed for renovations. And so I stopped going swimming. And then uh, when it finally reopened, maybe I went once or twice. I'm not even sure. Not very many times. And then it closed again because of COVID. Uh, maybe you remember that. And then it reopened again and it was uh, scheduled and you have to sign in. And so uh, I decided I would try. And so I, I finally went to go sign in and there was a glitch with my email. My email address was already on an account for the school district and it uses the same program. And because it was in a different account, it, it wouldn't let me sign in. And so, um, so this was my problem. So I, I tried a few different things. I called the, the rec center, and in the end, I just gave up. Now, Lauren encouraged me. She, she kept saying, you know, you can do it, and you love swimming. You should really try to do this, and it'll be so good for you. And then uh, Maddie started going swimming because she's taking her lifeguarding course. And so I, I, and she'd come home, and she'd say, oh, it felt so good. I really loved it. And yeah, there wasn't too many people, and it was great. And, and so I was like, oh, I, you know. And then I, I saw Vince Bacon at one of our worship things, and Uh, He said, I'm going swimming. Have you been swimming recently? And I said, no, no. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. It's really, it's easy to do. You should do it. And then um, I saw Dwayne Newfeld at one of our task force meetings. And he said, now, John, are you swimming? I said, no. He's like, I'm swimming. You should swim. It's really good. And I know you love it. And you you know, you should do that. And so uh, this week I fixed my email and I scheduled a time to go swimming. Now, now, on my own, I quit. I grew weary. I gave up. So I'm conscious of these people, Lauren and Maddie and Vince and Dwayne, people who cared, people who poked and prodded, some poking and prodding more than others. I love you, Lauren. Thank you. And today I'm conscious of this group. I'm aware of them. I need more than one to keep me on target. Christ himself gave, Paul says. Uh, A week ago, Becca called me. Actually, she texted me and said, hey, can we talk? And I don't know who called who, but we, we got on the phone together and she, she started sharing about some ideas she was having. She said, you know, what do you think about this? And I just want, wanted to talk these out with you. And, and she was sharing about how she and Jaden had been talking about uh, wanting to find a way to serve, to connect. And so they were thinking about their ministry teams and how it's totally different now. You know, Becca records her Jubilee Kids stuff on her own. And she was thinking, you know, maybe I could put it out to people if they wanted to do some part of it. Some of my Jubilee Kids people. And then they were started thinking about, you know, setup team. Maybe there's a way setup team could, could do something right now that would involve a connection and serving and a way to, 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 get, us, to get us connected again. And, um, and so she, she said, you know, what do you think if we got the ministry team leaders together and we started, maybe we had just had a brainstorming time to think about some, some ways we could do this. And uh, I'll admit my first thought was about my own failure 
It was about why didn't, why hadn't I thought of this idea? After all, I'm the pastor. Why did Becca have to think of this idea? And I mean, I love the idea. I just didn't know why I hadn't thought of it. And then I remembered, Becca is Jubilee. Becca is Jubilee. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. Paul writes, God gave people to the church, different kinds of people, different personalities, different callings, different gifts, so we could grow, so we could be challenged, so we could expand. Now, you could make a case that you don't need anyone else to grow, that you could do it on your own, that, that you don't need church, that, that you just need Jesus. You could maybe make that case, but Paul would argue differently. He says, Jesus himself gave these people to equip you, to equip his church. So my question for you is, how do the prophets equip you if you're isolated? How, how do pastors equip you if you're disconnected? How do the, the teachers and evangelists equip you if you aren't around? How does that work? I think the plants, if they could have a motto or a mantra, it would be grow or die grow or die because every plant is either growing or dying i mean if you just just think about it for a second like if i look around my house and i think about my plants and i look at them there's no neutral i mean with my plants they're either growing they're getting greener or larger or healthier or they're dying they're shrinking and wilting and drooping <laughs> sorry to some of my plants that are dying but in the same way, in the Bible, we see people cautioned against growing weary, wilting. And they are encouraged to grow in, the, in their salvation, in their faith, in love, in unity, in maturity, and in the knowledge of God. It strikes me that like plants, we are growing or we're dying. We're wilting. Hebrews 12, 3 says, Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Or Revelations 2, 3, in the accolades, you have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary because that's a thing. Ephesians 4.15, our passage, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Connected things grow. So which are you? Are you growing weary? Or are you growing in maturity? How connected are you? Would be the question. Because the message is the connected things 
grow. There's an element of the Christian faith that requires dependency, which I think we resist. We don't like that part of it. We don't like to feel dependent, do we? D.L. Moody said this, when a man thinks he's got a good deal of strength and is self-confident, you may look for his downfall. It may be years before it comes to light, but it is already commenced. Where Jesus says it like this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. And the picture we aspire to is a mature body, a mature body. There's a a true story of an American uh, woman. Uh, This story would have to be an American woman who finished her shopping and she returned to her car. And as she got to her car, she saw there were four men inside of her car. And so she dropped her bags and she reached into her purse and she pulled out her handgun and she pointed the gun at the guys in the car and she said, I have a gun. I know how to use it. Get out of the car. And the guys immediately fled the car and took off running. And uh, she was very shaken, her adrenaline's pumping, and she just felt all of that all of the nerves from the confrontation. She grabs her bags, she puts them in the car, she gets in and she starts the, tries to start the car and she's so nervous and shaking, she can't quite do it. And so for a few minutes, she's trying to get those keys in and turn the ignition and just doesn't seem to be working until finally she takes a moment and she realizes that uh, her car is three stalls down and she's not in her car is why this car won't start. So she gets her stuff and she gets in her car and she immediately drives to the police station nearby and she turns herself in. And uh, the sergeant behind the desk, he nearly falls off his chair in, in laughter. And then he points down the, the desk way and there's, there's four guys uh, at the end of the desk and they're reporting a carjacking uh, by an old woman with thick glasses and curly white hair, less than five feet tall and carrying a large handgun. No charges were filed. (laughs) Our perspective matters. It matters. Our beliefs shape our actions. Like if you think someone's in your car and you have handguns. That doesn't mean we're always correct, though, does it? I mean, this is the difference between infants and children and children and teenagers and teenagers and adults and adults and and experienced seniors or something. It's this growing maturity. It's that uh, there's the shifting perspective and hopefully more clarity about the world and how it works and, and what's true. The goal is maturity. That's what we're aiming for or gunning for. What does it mean, though, to grow in maturity? What you know, can we even get to there? Is that an achievable thing? Or, you know, and what do mature Christians look like? How, how do we define that? Paul describes at least one aspect of maturity in this way. By what, it, what we are not 
and what we are then. And so as he describes what we are not, we see we're not confused or uncertain or unsure or tossed or blown or easily thrown off or convinced. (laughs) And, And I would say this is an exhausting way to live, isn't it? I mean, just think about COVID. Isn't that, isn't that what we're all experiencing right now with COVID? I mean, this is why it's so exhausting because we live unsure. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen or what's going to change. And that takes a lot of energy, doesn't it? Ephesians 5, 15 to 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And if we know what we aren't, we also can see what we are then. Solid, faithful, the opposite of tossed around, the opposite of of blown around. He says words like growing, built up, speaking truth confidently, equipped for works of service unity in faith and in the knowledge of Jesus, living in a measure, a growing measure of his fullness. I mean, what a beautiful picture of maturity, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And this is where I, I have a hard time. Some days that seems out of reach. Maturity, this solidness, this security that, uh, you know, a unity and living in a measure of his fullness, it just seems, it seems out of reach almost. I'm afraid I won't prove faithful. I'm afraid that I'll be ashamed of the name when it comes time. And so we need the whole body. There's a story of a photographer who worked for a national magazine and he was assigned to take pictures of this big forest fire and so when he gets you know arrives on scene he realizes that the smoke makes it impossible to take any meaningful pictures of kind of anything and so he calls back the magazine and says you know can i get a, a a flight so i can fly over top and take pictures that way and they say sure we'll arrange it just go down to the airport and it'll there'll be a plane waiting for you and so he says okay hops in his rental car or whatever and gets down there and sure enough there's a plane waiting for him, a little Cessna by the runway. And so he goes down there and he throws his stuff in the back and climbs in, puts on his headphones. And he says, uh, you know, let's go. And the, the plane, you know, goes down the, to the runway and, and takes off. And it was a little bit of rocky takeoff. And as they're flying, you know, the photographer is like, oh, this guy's a little bit erratic. You know, the flying is is, you know, just, it's not totally smooth. And, and so, uh, you know, they're flying, they get up into uh, altitude and, and uh, the photographer says, uh, you know, well, let's fly to the north side of the fire and make several low passes. And uh, the pilot looks over and says, what? He says, uh, let's fly to the north side of the fire and uh, make a few passes. Low passes, please. And the pilot says, why? And, uh, and the photographer says, because I'm going to take pictures. I'm a photographer. That's what I do. I take pictures. And the pilot looks at him and says, you mean you're not the flight instructor? We, <laughs> we each have a role, don't we? I mean, they needed a photographer and he needed a, a pilot. 
and the pilot needed a flight instructor. <laughs> I love the metaphor of the body, and so does Paul. He uses it a lot. This, this picture makes so much sense, the body. Paul writes, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, there's a, there's a couple of basic things about the body that I think we just need to go over so we're on the same page. The first one is that bodies have heads. I don't know if you knew this, but it's true. Bodies have heads. Paul says, from him, the whole body grows. And yes, your connection to your head matters. Headless bodies don't do so well. I don't know if you know this, but there was a Harvard University study done in the 70s on headless bodies, and it concluded that when a body is separated from its head, it dies. Okay, I just made that up, but it sounded official until the end, right? I mean, one thing I said there was true. A headless body dies. There, there's not much argument about that. We don't need a study, Harvard, or anyone else, to tell us that that's true. Secondly, Bodies have parts. Bodies have parts. Paul writes, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. And yes, your body is connected by parts, all connected to each other. I mean, all you need to do is pull a ligament or stub a toe or, or throw out your back. I mean, things are connected, aren't they? Parts are connected. This is your body. It's parts. Now, my question for you is, is this how you think about the church? A body with parts. Or what are you thinking? I mean, what are you thinking? Are you different from the human body in that you could be a part with no body or disconnected from a head? Are you dying, wilting, shriveling? Are you disconnected from the head? Are you falling apart? Are you disconnected from the body? These are questions we should be asking as we navigate these times. So another question might be, how do we grow to be mature? A mature body, a whole body that's mature. How do we do that? On the one hand, we will say it's effortless. You, you grow to maturity effortlessly. And the picture is flowers or grapevines. Luke 12, 27, Jesus says, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Consider how the wildflowers grow. Jesus also says, Abide in me. And you will bear much fruit. That doesn't sound like effort. Or Paul says, from him, the whole body grows. From the head, from Jesus. That him is Jesus. Consider flowers or grapevines. They just grow if they are connected. So, You'll need to spend time with Jesus. That's my first application for you. You'll need to spend time with Jesus, one-on-one, -on -one, in the word, in prayer, listening, speaking in his presence, walking, sitting, running, singing, I mean, whatever. Just be connected. And 
So it, it might be effortless on one hand, but it's also intentional on the other hand. It's intentional. We grow and build ourselves. 1 Corinthians 3.10, the second half of it says, but each one should build with care. Or in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Or Jude 1, 20 to 21. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and in praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I mean, Paul makes clear this about us. We are builders. We're builders. We build. We build each other together. A spiritual house for eternity. That's the picture. Something that's going to last. And we are part of it with the choices that we make. The choice to grow. Intentionally building ourselves. Notice the plural of it. Not myself, but ourselves together. Keeping ourselves in love as we wait. Because the environment we're in matters and the input that we're allowing in matters and the choices you make matter. I mean, you might say, well, I don't like video church. I don't like masks. I don't like sanitizer. I don't like Zoom. I don't like COVID. I don't like restricted church. And I would say, so disconnect. See what happens to a body part with no body. It's not a pretty picture. Paul says your growth is held together by supporting ligaments. I don't like it either. But I'm here because my growth is held together by supporting ligaments. And so my second application is that you'll need to connect to church. And I don't mean the office. The office. I mean Jubilee, the people, the church, online, in person, over Zoom, on the phone, take someone for a walk. I don't know. We grow together. We grow together. We're connected. That's how we grow to maturity. And so, in conclusion, we grow and mature in Jesus and in community. We reject the myth that it's possible or pleasant, or even prescribed that we should grow alone. If you follow Jesus for any length of time, then you know this is true. We need an equipped body. And Jesus himself gave people to equip you and gave you gifts to equip others. Different people with different gifts, and you'll need to be connected to equip and to be equipped, to build and to be built. And we're looking to a mature body. The goal here is maturity. And maturity involves growth. And Paul defines elements of maturity as being solid and faithful and unwavering. This is what we want, what we need. Especially during this time. Isn't it? And it's a whole body. Of course, the picture of a body is so appropriate. It fits so well. We can't be headless we can't we can't be amputated it doesn't work like that we need 
to grow in Jesus. We need each other. Let's pray.